What's the next one now? Well, four, I love this one. Number four. Okay, let me go to one of the sayings that puts Jesus Christ in trouble. <laughs> That's uh, John chapter 10, verse 30. John. As a matter of fact, the book of John is one of my favorite gospels. Yes, me too. It's written by my favorite apostle, Apostle John, the apostle of love. Mm-hmm. John chapter 10, verse 30. He says, <laughs> I am a father and one. Yes. It's one of the things that put Jesus Christ in trouble to the point that they wanted to kill him. Because when he came, two sim- there are three things that made people to be angry with him. Number one, this one of them, number one was when he equated himself, he said, yeah, when he said, show us the father, and he said, how long have I been with you? You have seen me. If you know me, you have already seen the father. He made the Pharisees and the Sadducees to be angry with him. We know your, we know your mother, we know your father, and we know where, where you were born, the son of the carpenter. How can you now say that you are God? We must kill you. This is blasphemy. We must destroy you today. Second one was about when he said, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> you know, that's number two. Number three was when he was talking about the temple. The temple took them over 40 years to build the temple. And he told them that he would pull it down in 30 days and they would rebuild it. They were angry with him. But because they didn't understand. It's the reason why every believer must be grateful for the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we also, we will not understand the sins of Jesus. Because when he, talking about the, the communion, for instance, he said, I'll give you my flesh to eat. He talks about, it's like occultism. It's like uh, rituals. It's like uh, uh, what we watch in movies, like vampire eating the flesh of people and everything. But the Holy Spirit helps us to understand that is a mystery. You know, without the Holy Spirit, we won't understand that that's a mystery. But when the Holy Spirit helps us to also understand the fact that when he said, I am my father, they are, He's talking about the fact that before the need for redemption, Jesus only existed as the word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That's what the Bible said in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and God was the word. And John verse 1.14, and the word became flesh, and we beheld him as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So he never existed. So every attribute, every honor, every worship that you give to the Father, you also give to Jesus Christ. So it's one of the most famous quotes. He said, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. That was the question they asked him before he responded in John 10, 24. Tell us, are you the Messiah? And he he rebuked them. He said, you have already, I have already made it plain by the works that I've done, that I was a Messiah. You have seen this. This is the works of God. He then spoke of his sheep and their secure relationship to their shepherd. And he made this a statement that made them angry. His hearers understood exactly what Jesus meant, that he was God in the flesh. In response to this radical and annoying claim, his opponents picked stones to stone him in that place, when he made the statement. 
they were angry to the point that they wanted to stone him. What did he do in that place? He disappeared in the crowd. He disappeared. He, he, they, they were so angry that they picked up stones to stone him for this blasphemy. Jesus escaped at this time because his time of crucifixion had not come. His enemies would later use this statement against him. It was the statement they used against him for his crucifixion. This statement that I'm telling you about, I and the Father are one. They quoted that in John 19, verse 7. They told him when they wanted to kill him, it was the accusation they presented before the high priest that he equated himself with God. And it was one of the reasons they crucified him. And they crucified him as a criminal because it was in the law, the Roman law for anyone that, that commits treason against the state or speaks blasphemy against the law of Moses must be stoned to death or crucified. So that was one of the reasons why he was crucified because of he's equating himself to say, I am God, we are one. I have a question. So now, yes. if Jesus Christ knew that, knew that what what they were going to say would cause contention, why why would they say it then? Like, what, what is the purpose of saying it, knowing that they'll be confused? Now they were not confused. They were not confused. They were they were angry. It's different. The hunger was because of they allowed their religious sentiment to block there. In the law that they were carrying about, it, it was already stated, the law of Moses and the law, that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to come. But they had a view of how the Messiah must come. One of the things that they had is that they thought that somebody that was going to be the Messiah cannot be born in a manger. He, he had to come in royalty and all of those things before they could accept him. But some of some, many of them, they saw that this person was doing only the things that only God could do. That was why one of their senior teachers of the law, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night. He said a very striking statement. He said, you are the old teacher. We know that God is with you because nobody can do these works that you do except God be with you. So they know, but they were unwilling to accept the fact that this is the Messiah that we have been waiting for. So he didn't say that to upset them. He said that to make a statement to them, to let them know that the Messiah you have been expecting is with you. He cried so much on Jerusalem. He said they did not know their day of visitation. So he didn't say to upset them. He said it to, to, to allow them to be able to think and to reason. But they were blinded by, by their loss, their position on the loss. They saw in the Lord that the Messiah was going to come, but they were unwilling to accept that the, the Messiah will come through that virgin birth or through um, born in a manger. He was supposed to come in regalia of royalty and they are willing to. So most times he, he made so many statements that it is when all of those teachers of the law and all of those Sadducees and Pharisees left, he will not explain 
further to his disciples, to those people who were following. They were following Jesus because they wanted to hold something against him. They were not willing to understand his sayings or his teachings. They were just following so that they were able to have record of how they will kill him or destroy him. So whenever we come to Jesus, we must come with open mind, not with my religious or traditions of men and not willing to open my heart to the teachings of Jesus Christ. So it's a lesson for people. If you come to Jesus with all the knowledge, all the books that you have read, it will be difficult to actually understand the sense of Jesus. We must come with open up. Bible says in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit for this shall see God. Poor in spirit is not based on money. Poor in spirit, somebody that is the lowest of the low, that doesn't know anything, that depends on God. So I must come to Jesus totally dependent on him, not by my own. You know, some people, they have something that they want to do, but they are bringing it to God to endorse it. Do you know that? They just want to bring something to God to endorse it. They don't want Jesus to tell them, don't do it this way, do it this way. But they are in their mind, they are praying, oh, God, give me this. But in their mind, they have already chosen what they want to do or who they want to be with in their hearts. And they want Jesus to just rubber stamp it and agree with them, you know, even if it's against his will for them. So they were angry, they were not confused. Anger and confusion is not the same thing. They were just angry because of his sins. We are too hard for them to be. Thank you, sir. Yes. Before, I go on, before you go on to number five, there is, I want to quickly bring, bring something out from what you just said. Yes. Uh, there's a question. Um, so in John chapter 6, verse 60, mm. John 6, verse 60, it says, therefore, many of, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Now, if you not jump over to 60, um, let me see, 66. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So, sir, so in, in the case of, in the case of the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, um, in that case, they, they came to him to trap him. It's like, they understand what he's saying, but they came to him to trap him. But sir, now these people, are they the ones that, that were confused? These are other disciples. Because, because they heard his, his, his saying and it was, they want to accept it, but they find it too hard. Even the rich man, that rich man that God said that he should go and sell all he had and sell the money. So, sir, these people, are they the ones that are confused? So there are different categories of the people that follow, follow Jesus Christ. We have mm -hmm. the multitude. From the multitude, we have the 500. From the 500, we have the 120. We have the 70. Mm -hmm. We have the 12. And then we have the three. And some people say one. You know, and they are so there are different levels of interaction. You see, the three were the Peter, James, and John were the people he took to most of inner circle with him. When he sent everybody out, when they were mourning and crying for uh, Jairus' daughter, he took with him Peter, James, and John with him. Now, this is the thing. 
Not everyone. Most of the people that wanted to follow Jesus Christ at that time, some people followed him strictly because of the food he was giving to them. Not because of the teaching, not because of what they were listening to, no. Some people, they followed Jesus Christ. They wanted to follow Jesus on their own terms. We cannot follow Jesus Christ on our terms. It must be on his own terms. Okay. Thirdly, some people, including the 12 disciples, do you know what they thought Jesus Christ came to do? At that time, the, the Israelites were under the Roman Empire, Roman rule. So they thought Jesus Christ has come to restore the kingdom back to the Jews. So they followed him. They saw the miracles. Many of them, like Peter, James, and John, and all the 12, they thought he was going to give them positions in the kingdom when, when he, the kingdom was, was restored to the Jews. So they followed him for various reasons. When he started now revealing his agenda, his own his purpose to them and everything, they started finding, no, 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 this is not the reason why we are following this person. So they started going back when he started revealing his agenda. And you find out when he started revealing his agenda to them, at one point, when he saw that the multitude were not following him like they used to, he looked at his disciples and said, will you also turn back? And Peter rose up quickly and said, where will we go? Only you have the word of life. So they followed him for various reasons, various reasons. And when he began to unfold and reveal the main reason why he has come, people started drawing back. The people, the multitude, the people that only wanted to follow from afar off, the people that wanted to follow him for the food he was giving to them, people that wanted to follow him because of position, when the kingdom is restored to Israel, just like that too. The day you take a stand to follow Jesus, you begin to have people that will tell you that, Brian Emmanuel, your own is too much. Why are you taking this thing to the extreme? And then you begin to lose certain relationships because of your stand and your position. It's natural. It happened to Jesus. If it happened to Jesus, who am I? Who are you? You know? So some people, they will still remain, want to be your friends, as long you are not taking your, your faith. You're not becoming fanatic about your faith. And then let me tell you the truth. There's a level of fanatism that you need to follow Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if you don't have it, it will leave room and gap for compromise. You'll be able to compromise. Let people know you're at work. Let people know you, even in the church, among believers, let people know you, that this person, when it comes to Jesus, there's no middle ground. It's Jesus or nothing else. There's certain conversation, even among believers, that people will not bring to you because they already know your, your position and your stand. So let people know, you begin to lose certain um, wits from your life. When you take a position with Jesus, they say, ah, this bright man is only too much. Why is he taking everything ser too serious? No, no, no. Christianity is not like that. Christianity is actually serious. Do you know why? It's the Christianity that many of us were trampling with right now, it was handed over to us on the foundation of, of blood and sacrifice. The apostles died. 
to get the gospel to us today. And if we don't take it seriously, what are we going to hand over to the next generation? That's a question. So you have to take it seriously. When you begin to reveal, people begin to know who you are by your words, by your actions, be ready to lose certain relationships. And uh, um, so I want you to ask, I want to ask this question, sir. Yes. Um, so you said that when people follow Christ for the wrong reasons, they begin to draw back. When yeah. like, so sir, in the case of new believers in Christ, yes. what is it like, like what should be the goal? Like when you are following Jesus, like what, for example, what should I as, a, as an evangelist tell these unbelievers, you know, to actually give them the right thing to pursue when they come into the faith? And also those who are watching the video, what should they target? So that when they're in the faith, they will last and not draw back. Okay. The first thing that will cause a problem for any new believer is to follow Jesus Christ mainly for things you can get without Jesus. If people, if you follow Jesus Christ to get a car, to build a house, to do all of those things, then our faith is in vain. Because those are all, all of those things that we mentioned are things that you can get without knowing Jesus legitimately. Okay? That's number one. Number two, it is not correct to teach people or preach to people that once you give your life to Jesus, there'll be no problem, there'll be no troubles anymore. It's a very wrong way to present Jesus to people. We must tell them John 16, 33. John 16, 33 says, in me, you will have peace. In the world, you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world to you. You must emphasize this to new believers because when tribulations come, people will draw back. If we, we never told them, people have been told that once you receive Christ, there'll be no problem, there'll be no trouble. It's incorrect. It's an imbalanced teaching. You must let people know that the first thing that Christ came to do, which is the greatest thing, is that he came to sort out the issue of sin that we could not do by ourselves. Sin was a nature we received that we could not. So it was in the nature of sin that Jesus came to destroy. The first thing. Number two, he came to break down the middle wall of partition between us and God. Sin separated us. And that was one of the cause of the law. The cause of the law. He said Christ has redeemed us from the cause of the law. You need to know what that cause means. That cause is spiritual death. Spiritual death, which is what? Complete annihilation from God. Separation from God. He came to breach that gap. He said he has made both one and he has broken down the middle wall of partition between us and God. So now Christ came to point us to God back again. And that's what he said in John 14, 6. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man can have access to God except through me. So we must tell every new convert that giving your life to Christ is not the end of troubles. As a matter of fact, it's an invitation to troubles. But for us as believers, we are fighting a battle that the end of the battle is already known before the, before the beginning of the battle. 
In the end, you are a winner. You are more than conqueror, but you will go through trials, you go through tribulations, you go through tests. And if you are aware of that, when you receive the love of Christ, when the troubles come, when the trials come, you will not draw back because you, you will not lie to. We lie to people when we tell them that once you give your life to Christ, no more trouble, no more tribulation. No, the Bible tells us many, Psalm 34, many are the afflictions of the ungodly, of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. So when we tell people from the beginning, so when troubles come, when trials of faith come, I rejoice when I go to trials. According to James chapter 1, verse 13, he said, rejoice when you face diverse trials. When I face trials, I know it's an opportunity for elevation and promotion in the kingdom. So I'm rejoicing when my, my faith is being tested, when it's being tried. I know it's going to work for me an exceeding weight of glory. People must be told this thing. If we, are, we don't tell people, people will draw back when trials and tribulations come. Because we told them that when you receive the love of Christ, that's the end of everything. No more trouble, no more challenges. It is not true. It is an invitation to troubles, even though it sought out your eternal faith. Your eternal faith. That means you are going to be with God when you die on this earth. That's one. You are going to have a beautiful relationship with God here on earth. Okay? You will not be far from God anymore. You tell people and you let them know that Christ has redeemed you from the cause of spiritual death, of sickness. And then you tell them all of that. But you tell them that the enemy will come with temptations. There'll be trials of our faith that will almost make us want to give up. You have to tell people. It's the reason why whenever people give their life to Christ first, if we don't want to lose them, we must ensure that we quickly make arrangements for foundational class. I'm telling you, people will go back without mm -hmm. foundational class. Yes, sir. <laughs> they will go back. They will go back. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, sir. Very, very much. I don't know if you have time, sir. So what happened is that because of the timing, sir, you, you're going to give us just, just number five now. All right. And then maybe we can pick a time again next week, next week Friday. Awesome. The, 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 the last five. All right, let me give you one more. Give you one more. All right. <laughs> this one, <laughs> Matthew 539. I'm laughing too when I as I'm reading it. <laughs> Matthew 539. You will you will also laugh. Too. <laughs> okay. Let's see. Okay, let's see to the nine. <laughs> oh, okay. I want to hear what you have to say about this one, sir. <laughs> it says, "But I tell you, not to resist an evil person. But what? But but whoever slaps you on on your right cheek, turn the other to him also." All right. Oh, <laughs> throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus usually told, told people to do things that were not the normal reactions of people to do. You know, the commandment to turn the other cheek is one example of those things that, you know, 
because of our human nature. Okay. Our new human nature, revenge, hunger, usually seem to, the, to be the most natural reactions when somebody wrongs us. There is, a, there is a tendency in human beings that you see somebody do something to you, you can easily look at the person. Something can tell you, you know you can, what you can do to this person to actually uh, take a revenge. Something tells you, you know what you can do. You, when you are not born again, if somebody does something to you, you know what you can do to what the person badly. You know, but is the, the nature of sin was taken care of when you gave your life to Christ. That's why you find out that you that used to be very, very angry when the life of Christ came to you, you will want to be angry. But you say, no, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. So you, when you remember that, you just start laughing. People around you cannot come to terms with it. They are surprised. They are shocked that the same Emmanuel that I know, that I know that if somebody speaks to him once, he's going to respond 10 times. The same person that's keeping quiet, something must have happened to this person. So that's one of the things. So Jesus knows our natural reaction to things. But now he's asking us to deny our natural tendencies in order to display a godly attitude. So it's not literally saying that somebody slaps you physically. It's talking about when people hurt you, when people do things to you that could make you offended. You turn, you say, rather than pain, Evil with evil, we have to react with humility and repair evil with good. So turning the, the right trick is what? Turning, not doing what you will have done naturally as a response of revenge or paying back. But you walk, you walk away and then you don't do what you have done naturally. You even pray for the person, even bless them. So what is say? So it's not literally slapping you and now after they slap you on the left, you now put your right cheek. No, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about when people hurt you or do evil to you. Our natural tendency is to revenge. But now you turn and then you don't do what you will have done naturally. So that's what the Bible is saying in that place. So thank you very much sir, for your time for today. It was really, really nice. I learned a lot. Actually, I wrote some things down, which we have. Actually, even as we are speaking right now, as we, as we are just talking, um, Lord has given me, giving me ideas. You're actually saying that this is also actually like, you know, like a 10-part series, like, you know, 10 of them. Absolutely. So, I'm telling you, you're right. So, yeah. So, put each of them and teach on each of those things for one hour, two hours, and we are not done. So just yeah, a beautiful time. I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, so, so let us pray so that we can go do other things. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this first day of recording this um, wonderful topic about your saints. Oh Lord, your words, they are life, they are light. Your word, Bible says, how can a young man stay pure, be pure? Bible says, it's by your word. Say so your word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Bible says your word is a light unto my feet and a light unto my path. See your word, Lord, is sharper than that than any double-edged sword. It can pierce through the heart of man. It is your word. Oh Lord Almighty God, you know, 
That is powerful. Thank you, God, for speaking your word to us. I ask that God, Bible says that, you know, Bible says that a farmer goes and sows seeds, some fell on the wayside, some fell on tongues, some fell on the stony ground, but, but some fell on the good, on the good ground. I ask that God, let this word that has been spoken fall upon the good soil of, of, of my heart and of Pastor Philip Tyler as well. And, uh, and of those that will hear this, this, this recording, God, let the word fall upon the good soil so that, Lord, it can produce fruits that, that will be lasting. It, we, Thank you, Heavenly Father, for you in our prayers. We give you thanks for today. For in Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, sir. All Amen. right, now. See you, someone. See you very soon. See yes, you sir. Now. Have a All good right. day, sir. Yeah, bye-bye.